Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home Imam Zuhri Rahmatullah Alayhi has mentioned That Sayyidina Osman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an Ruled for 12 years as a Khalifa Sayyidina Osman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an Ruled for 12 years as the Khalifa for the Muslimin and from the 12 years of his Khilafat the best period is considered to be the first six years that is the first six years of his Khilafat in fact in the first six years of his Khilafat Hazrat Usman was so popular that he was widely accepted by everyone and more popular even than Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala that is in the first six years and the reason for that is quite simple Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab's madhab was completely different to the madhab of Hazrat Uthman Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab was in the category of what was explained in the last few sessions he was of the thought that it was not right for the Muslims to save up wealth, to accumulate wealth and a man who had a very simple life, a simple living in fact nothing in his house or nothing of, of the sort, anything that can be described to be of his possession and that is what he expected from the people also he did not want dunya to come close to the people as for Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala he was very soft hearted Hazrat Umar was very strict Hazrat Uthman was very soft hearted and also extremely wealthy and a lot of the people would take advantage of the fact that Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan was very wealthy not only was he wealthy you get some people who are who have wealth but unfortunately don't have this capacity to give but Hazrat Uthman had the wealth and he was also very generous, extremely generous 
So people would come to him and they would shed tears. We need this, we need that. Hazrat Osman blindly would give. And so he was widely accepted by the people. And he was also loved. This was in the first six years of the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. As for the second half of the Khilafat, things had changed dramatically very fast. The time of fitna, the time of turmoil that started in his Khilafat. Now, we need to also understand the reasons. We need to go back towards the political, the social, demographical climate that was there during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Osman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an to understand. We can't actually race towards the, the very last few days of his life. In fact, uh, I would not do justice. It's very, very important that we cover everything stage by stage. So that, alhamdulillah, we have a clear picture of what occurred and who were the perpetrators and who were the people involved in all of the conspiracies uh, that eventually led towards the martyrdom of Sayyidina Osman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. And so we have to cover every avenue of the seerah of Sayyidina Osman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. So the first six years were the best period of his life, the best period. And then a complete U-turn. Things were very, very different in the second half. Allahu Akbar. Now just to put in front of you one hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so that we understand. From the time of Adam alayhi salam, or from the creation of this dunya, until the day of Qiyamah, the best time span, or the best period of time, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said خَيْرُ الْقُرُونِ قَرْنِ ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ The best period, the best time is that time in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had appointed me as a Nabi and I was amongst my people. So that period of time is the best period in human history. And that is the period of the Sahabai kiram ajma'een. So the best age to live in, in the condition of Iman, was to be alive during the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. These were the best people. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam was the best human being, the best creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, the greatest scripture that was given to him, which is the Quran, uh, and also the city chosen for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the city of Makkah the best city Madinatul Munawwara also the best city and the best team was selected for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which are known as ashab kiram the companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said thumma alladheena yalunahum and even that period of time those that have accompanied the companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Those that have accompanied the companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa So we have Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and his ashab. And then we have the tabi'een, those that accompanied the companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa 
So the best period of time goes from the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam until the first six years of the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala. So, so from the time of Rasulullah until the first six years. Why? Because the, all of the individuals during the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam can be described as muttaqeen. Every single one of them. That they were all God-fearing people who were very, very sincere. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned, وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْا If the people of the land embrace iman, accept the faith, and if they adhere to taqwa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would open up the treasures of the heavens for them. Allah would give them a lot of barakat, a lot of blessings. And this was seen during the Khilafat, during the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Though in the beginning, 13 years were quite difficult. But after that, from the conquest of Makkah, all the way until the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala and to the first six years of his Khilafat, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given a lot of barakat to the Muslim community. So we need to understand that this was the Khairul Qurun period. Now let us look at the second half of the Khilafat of Sayyidina Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala. First of all, what we need to also understand, my respected brothers, that many of the companions during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala had passed away. So you had Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een, but few. Many were alive during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. Many were alive during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala. Some were alive during the Khilafat of Hazrat Uthman. But many of them had passed away. And those that were alive were even scattered everywhere. Subhanallah, the Islamic empire was vast. Many, many people were around. Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een, their main occupation was to give da'wah. And their purpose was to engage in jihad. And that is why a lot of them were in jihad fi sabirillah. So the condition of the people at that time was, let alone to be blessed with the company of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, a lot of them were not even, a lot of them did not even stay in the company of the sahaba, of the companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Just to give you that picture, that things were very, very different. Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een is the elite category of people and the Tabi'een. And now you have the different group of people that are coming and emerging, which was very, very difficult. And things were difficult for the Osman. Why? There was this mass influx of immigration. A lot of people were now getting into the Muslim lands. Why? At that time, the Islamic empire was the richest empire. Money was pouring into the Islamic empire from every corner of the world. And the Muslim treasury was the richest. And so the non-Muslims preferred also to live with the Muslims. A lot of them were economical migrants. People were working there. And some of them had also embraced Islam. Wallahu alam, what was the condition of Iman? Some of them had just outwardly accepted Iman. So things were very, very different. For an example, you had the Turks coming into Islam. You had the Persians coming into Islam. You had the Byzantines coming into Islam. 
you had also people from the African continent, you had the Berbers, you had the, the Jewish people and the Christians that were there. And a complete mixed race of people that were now coming into the borders of Islam. And when they came into the borders of Islam, they would come with their own custom, they would come with their own culture, they would come with their own beliefs, they would come with their own language, they would come with their own dress code, they would come with their own food, their own lifestyle, their own character, their own literature, their own architecture, everything was completely different. So all of them were now coming into, and the borders were open. No restriction. The borders were open for everybody to come. And Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala allowed that, and that was also an opportunity for a lot of the Muslims to do the da'wah work with them. So they actually accepted Islam, but things were very, very difficult. It was not as easy. Subhanallah. And the main problem was language barrier. The people who came were not even prepared to learn the Arabic language. And so the Arabs, their language was the Arabic language. And when you had different, different people coming, communication levels were not there. And therefore it was very, very difficult for the companions or the tabi'een or the tabi'een to immediately groom them and nurture them Islamically as it was desired by the Muslims. It was very, very difficult. There were just too many. And remember, Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een had passed away. Now in the time of Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala, and he was very strict. But Hazrat Uthman could not do what Hazrat Umar could do. Because the borders were open. During his Khilafat, Islam was spreading very, very fast. Hazrat Umar would not allow a Muslim to settle in a non-Arab country. And he would make sure that anybody who came in, there was a bit of restriction. That was how Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an was. But Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an could not do this. A lot of dunya, there was a lot of wealth, people were coming. And it was also money that was attracting people towards the Islamic Khilafat. Allahu Akbar. That is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa said, A time will come when dunya will open up to my ummah. A time will come that dunya will open up to my ummah. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa says, I don't fear my ummah worshipping idols. That I don't fear. But I fear that dunya will open up for them. And they will be distracted from understanding the purpose of life and the purpose of their creation. Dunya will affect them. These are the words of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and in fact, it had an immediate impact during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala. In Dubai, I was just reading an article. The Atlantis, Atlantis Hotel opening ceremony, just, on the, just for the opening inauguration of that hotel, the Arabs, the Muslims had spent 13 million pounds. Can you imagine that? 13 million pounds just for that one day. Inna lillah wa inna How Muslims can be blinded by wealth? 
they forget uh, the purpose of life they forget also the responsibilities that Allah has put, put to them they forget that and the firework display is considered to be the biggest in the world in human history the biggest in the world in human history seven times more firework display than even the first day of the Olympics in Beijing seven times more than that these were our Arab brothers but what does Allah do? boom! a firework and they wanted to change Dubai immediately and they said that we have brothels and we have mosques you choose what you want what did they say? we have brothels and we have mosques you choose what you want everything is there go by dunya is there you want dunya go for dunya at six o'clock you had zani women walking on the streets six o'clock Allahu Akbar and what happened today everything is gone gone people no longer want to go to Dubai that is the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you become blind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually Allah is the one who has who holds the string by come pull 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 how much will you pull how much will you pull that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us if our condition was to change as in our, the condition of our livelihood for the better or for the worse we should always be grateful and the worst sickness is when you find that people who haven't seen wealth and all of a sudden wealth comes to them it becomes very hard for them to control that wealth and this is imtihan azmaish which started immediately after the first six years of the khilafat of Sayyidina Usman bin Affan and every Jumu'ah Hazrat Usman would stand on the pulpit Madinatul Munawwara and he would warn the people and he would say I see that the dunya has opened up for you and if you don't take control of dunya it will divide us Hazrat Usman every Jumu'ah would say it will divide us Ittaqullah, Ittaqullah, fear Allah, fear Allah, fear Allah but you had different people, different communities, different people that were coming and working and Allahu Akbar, at the end of the day my respected brothers, it is all about money in fact, when money came, changes were even seen in Madinatul Munawwara Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an had seen some of the youth that were playing a sport, a sport for them uh, pigeon fighting capturing pigeons and flying them in different different di- in directions like in Pakistan and India you have the time for the kites what do you say? kites? no, name is sports say it again patangbazi yeah even in India they have that and they want to cut each other the threads and it's a sport they want to cut, it, cut each other something like that but it's supposed to be a, a sport as they say that golf is a rich man's sport so now in, in the Arabs the pigeons were there and Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an was shocked to see that 
things were changing. Uh, by the way, that's not a fatwa that golf is haram. Huh? <laughs> In case somebody says that, Molly Sahib, you don't play golf, so you don't let us play golf. I'm not saying that. I've just heard that from people. There's no harm if you want to do exercise and if you want to walk around with a with some metal stick in your hand and kick around and what do you call that? A club. That's it. So you can do so. Alhamdulillah. There's nothing wrong with sports, provided everything is halal in the Sharia. And also, during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Usman bin Affan, people were now people now wanted to drink nabis. Nabis. Now nabis is a drink. That is not haram. It is made out of um, dates. And it is actually the juice of dates. But what happens that if you leave the dates for a long period of time, then at times it can have an effect on you. It can make you drowsy and you can be disoriented. And this is what the people were doing. So Nabiz is not haram. But if it was left for a long period of time, it could have that power, it, it could intoxicate you and things like that. So a lot of the people were now drinking Nabis for pleasure. Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an was very very strict. Though Allah had blessed him with wealth, though Allah he would accept people accumulating wealth, which was jais, which was lawful, there was nothing wrong. But at the same time a man who wanted everything under control and he would instruct the governors that if you see anybody drinking nabis, I want you to flog them. And if you see anybody playing with pigeons, I want you also to punish them. And so now the youth and a lot of the people that were in the different part of the regions, they did not accept this, this rule and the law that came from Madinatul Munawwara. And when the governor said this, there were, there were a group of people who said, no, we will not accept this. They did not want any form of restriction. They wanted dunya because money was there. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that is why in one hadith, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allah's Nabi had three stones. He put one stone in front, and then the second stone immediately after the first stone, and then the third stone he flung it at a distance. And he said to the companions that the first stone is insan. The first stone is insan. And the second stone behind, immediately behind is death. So he put the first stone and immediately after the first stone he put the second stone. He said the first stone is insan and the second stone is death. That death is just behind. Death is your shadow. And the third stone which he flung at a distance, he said, that is the desire and the ambition and the dreams of insan. That he is in a dream world. He wants to do that, he wants to do this. This is what he wants to do, but yet death is just behind. So cut your dreams and your ambitions and be real that you have to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at times, wealth can destroy a person you make it or you break it. You make it or you break it. Don't get me wrong, wealth is a great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Foolish are the people who say, oh I don't want money. Oh we shouldn't do that. That is, that is not Islam. If Allah gives you wealth, channel it in the right direction.
Why you will earn more reward? You will earn more reward. So it is about moderation. But again it is also a test. Like it was a test for the people. For the non-Arabs that were there. Allahu Akbar. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said in one hadith. That in my ummah there are four kinds of people. In my ummah there are four kinds of people. And he explained. He said the first category of people are those. That Allah has blessed them with wealth and with knowledge. Allah has blessed them with wealth and with knowledge. Now because Allah has given them knowledge. They have taqwa and they fear Allah. And because of the knowledge, they spend the money in the right direction. They give money in charities. They help people. And so Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, the first category of people are the best in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the best group of people. That they have the wealth, they give it in the right path, and they have the knowledge, they also fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the second group, the second category of people are those who don't have the wealth, but have the knowledge. Who don't have the wealth, but have the knowledge. Now because they have the knowledge, they have taqwa, and because they have the knowledge, they say, that man, the second category man, aspires to the first category of man, and he says, if I had wealth, I would have done the same thing which my brother is doing. But I haven't got the wealth. If I had the wealth, I would have channeled that wealth in the right direction also. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, because of intention, both are rewarded equally. Subhanallah. Because of his intention, both are rewarded equally. So the, the two first two categories are the two categories which are very dear and people who are very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then comes the third category of people. And the third category of people are those that they have the wealth but don't have the knowledge. They have the wealth but don't have the knowledge. If they had the knowledge, they would not spend 13 million pounds on a 1 billion pound hotel. Right? And, the, and one of the rooms one of the rooms is 35,000 pounds per night. How much have you been there? No. 35,000 pounds a night. It's called the signature suite. You might have been there. Huh? I've never, I, haven't been, I haven't even been close to Atlantis Hotel. See? Why? We are all sad people. 35,000 pounds one night. Allahu Akbar. So if you had the knowledge... Uh, he wouldn't have done this. So the third category of people, they have the money, but don't have the knowledge. Or even if they had the knowledge, they don't want to follow the knowledge. And it is like what Allah says, uh, they are like donkeys. Banu Israel, are being, the scholars of Banu Israel were described, that they are like donkeys, and on the backs of the donkeys you have laden books. So they are like donkeys. So you don't have knowledge. And because he has no knowledge, this man spends money left, right and center. Blindly, extravagance, lavishly throwing money here and there. And earning the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it is amanat. 
and rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam said this third category of the third category of people are the worst category in the sight of allah and then comes the fourth category of people the fourth group is that person who has no wealth and no knowledge who has no wealth and no knowledge but he looks at the third man on top and says oh look at this guy look at his lamborghini uh, look at the money that he has look at the enjoyment look at his palace look at this look at that and he's dreaming if i had the money i would have competed with him i would have done that i would have done that i would have done that and now he's competing in the wrong things because he has no knowledge because he doesn't know how to to even uh, contain the money that was to be given to him and he wants to spend it in his intention in the wrong way to channel it in the wrong direction rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam said because of his intention the third and the fourth group of people are the worst to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we have to be very very careful my respected brothers alhamdulillah allah give us wealth and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that wealth a means of uh, putting us straight and also that we get close to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that becomes a means for us as a form of investment in the hereafter inshallah ta'ala and so during the khilafat of sayyidina usman bin affan dunya had opened up especially the the desert arabs these were people who lived in the desert strong and stone-hearted people and they would speak their mind and they had no consideration of the people and then also nationalistic pride you had the turks you had the berbers you had the byzantines you had the persians people from iran and that part of the zone you had people from hind and you had people from friqa and habasha and now what would happen you had this group of people even superficially if they had accepted iman and islam they were not accepting the arabs so now you had the arabs on one side and the non arabs the other side and that is why it is very very dangerous when we say that person is a surti that person is a baruchi that person is a pakistani that person is a meman and that person is a bangladeshi and that person is that yes as a friend as identity that is accepted right identity is not a problem but for any man to claim and for a man to feel or because i'm an i'm a hindustani i'm better than the rest or i'm a pakistani i'm better than the rest this is all wrong why because we are all muslims and this was the same fight that started and had erupted during the khilafat of sayyidina usman bin affan and it was very very difficult for the companions to take control you had a wave of people that were coming in from different sides different different sides different different customs different languages and imagine even until today we as muslims 1400 years have elapsed huh? from the hijrah of rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam even now today when a lot of the asian communities uh, when a nikah or a marriage takes place a lot of uh, the customs are completely based are hindu based completely hindu based it's got nothing to do with islam now imagine 
in the time of Sayyidina Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala. It was extremely difficult for him. That is why my respected brothers, alhamdulillah, we are all Muslims. And if need be, if we need to intermarry, we should accept this. If we need to intermarry, there is no harm. By alhamdulillah, she is a Muslimah, he is a Muslimah. And if there is compatibility, mashallah, both fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are living in the time of fitna, accept it. We are living in the time of fitna, accept it. So this is again the teachings of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Another major factor, I'm just opening up for you, so that we have a complete clear picture of why a sudden change after six years. What happened? Why was this fitna, where was this fitna coming from? So that we understand that the companions are not to be blamed, not even the tabi'in. You had different, different people. We did not, they did not even know that for them to embrace Islam was it done sincerely. That is only in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another thing the scholars have mentioned is with regards to the murtaddeen. Murtaddeen are those who apostated from Islam and then returned back to Islam. During the Khilafat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala, he was very strict. If a man became a murtad, if a man apostated from Islam, and then he returned back to Islam, that iman is accepted. No problem. If he testifies to the kalima, he is a Muslim. But Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq would not allow that man to participate in any of the jihadi expeditions. That man was not entitled to take part in jihad fi sabirillah. So if all of the people went in jihad, the ex-apostates, Murtaddeen would have to remain behind. And he was very strict. A stern warning was given to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, let me not catch you enrolling anyone who had apostated from the deen of Islam. And I don't want nobody who was once a murtad, then he embraced Islam for him to participate in jihad. So this was again the ijtihad, the fatwa that was given by Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala. When it came to the khilafat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala, he slightly relaxed this rule. A slight leeway, a slight concession was given. And what he said, I will not follow the, the strictness of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, but he said, I leave it to the discretion of the governors. If the governor or the khalifa feels individually that this man is okay, that his iman is strong and that he is accepted, only then with the izn, with the permission of the Muslim Khalifa, was he allowed to participate in jihad. So during the Khilafat of Umar, it was with a condition. And the second condition was that that person, an ex-apostate, could never be a leader or an amir for the Muslim uh, contingent of jihad. So for an example, if he was to be appointed as a leader, he can be only appointed for a, a group of mujahideen that were few in numbers, less than 100. If it was more than 100, that was disallowed, even at the time of Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. That is why Tuleha was a murtad, then he embraced Islam, 
But in his entire life, he was shy to meet Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. So he came to do Umrah, and came to the city of Makkah Mukarramah, and coming, traveling all the way to Makkah, he did not travel to Medina Munawwara to, to meet Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. Why? Because Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq was very, very strict. He did not like people who, who had embraced Islam, then became murtad, and then reverted back. He didn't, he didn't like this category. Although he left it to Allah, but he said, no, they will not participate in jihad. Hazrat Umar left it to the discretion of the governor. Now, Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala, and things were quite different. Hazrat Usman decided that even the ex-Murtaddin, the apostates, were free to participate in jihad. And the complete freedom was given to them during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala. Hazrat Usman was of the opinion that enough time has been given to them. From the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr to the time of Hazrat Umar, we could not restrict them so much. So Hazrat Usman decided to lift this ban from them and said that they are free and they can be Amirs even and even uh, people who, who, who can have a large contingent of the Muslim army under their wing that is all accepted. And scholars have, have said that perhaps this decision from Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an proved to be an unfavorable decision that came from him. Why? Because majority of the people who betrayed Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an were from this group of the Murtaddeen who were the ex-apostates who had once renounced Islam and then they accepted Islam and these were again the same batch of people who played um, a big role in going against Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala. We ended that, my respected brothers, inshallah ta'ala, if we can sort of grasp the whole picture of the different communities that were there, it will become easier for us to actually understand the shahadat of Sayyidina Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وسلم تسليما اللهم تقبل منا وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم سمعنا وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير برحمتك يا رحم الرحيمين